welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. And in this episode, we're featuring an interview that I did with Irina Podobnaya of TrackMate. Just want to tell us a, a little bit about um, what, what Irina and, and the company do. Yeah, um, so in a nutshell, I guess that they help companies, particularly sort of e-commerce companies, with, with what Arena calls the post-purchase experience. So everything that happens after you, you know, click buy and fill out your credit card details, everything from that point until you know, the parcel arrives at your door and you're delighted with it and you perhaps leave a review. So everything that happens after you've bought something. Sounds like a re- very relevant and very interesting topic. It is, yeah, it is. I think that idea of the, the post-purchase experience is something that many organisations don't think enough about. And uh, that's one of the things that I talked about with Arena. Well, should we have a listen to it and then have a catch up later on? So I'm here with Irina Podobnaya of TrackMage, um, who's an expert in, in, I guess, customer experience in general, but perhaps specifically in, in optimizing processes and operations, and particularly when it comes to, to kind of tracking deliveries and packages and, and e-commerce. Is that right, Irina? Yes, that's absolutely correct, uh, because we've been dealing with uh, e-commerce uh, post-purchase experience uh, most of the time, and uh, we make sure that uh, customers actually get information about the packages. Uh, so in a nutshell, uh, to explain what we do, it, like we should probably look at Amazon. So remember how on Amazon, when you order something from a supplier, uh, you receive uh, this uh, page where you see where the package is, when is it coming to your door, uh, when they ask you for a review, and they also show you additional products that you can buy uh, while you're looking at your order status. So that's uh, the fancy functionality that we take uh, and make it available on other platforms like Shopify, WooCommerce, uh, ClickFunnels, and uh, other uh, tools that don't have anything on the fulfillment side or on the post-purchase experience side. That's really interesting because I think very often companies have a tendency to to try and understand customers through process maps. So the company process map often ends at the point of we've dispatched your product, which kind of makes sense from an internal point of view because that's the last thing the organization does. But it makes no sense at all from a customer point of view because, well, they haven't got their product yet, have they? So that whole sort of post-purchase experience for me is a really interesting sort of part of that customer journey. Yes. And I believe it uh, all comes down to the misconception uh, from the like from the e-commerce seller standpoint, uh, they believe that customer support and the post-purchase experience are a cost to the company, Mm. but it's not a cost. It's part of marketing. Uh, Customer support itself is part of marketing that is uh, usually overlooked uh, and usually underfinanced and maybe underappreciated as well. Uh, So it's after thought that like, oh, yes, we already uh, got their money, so we shouldn't care that much. So that's the misconception that really gets in the way of providing the customer experience that makes customers buy again and again and support the brand and spread the word and uh, even just advocate for the brand and fight on social media if somebody is saying something something that's not beneficial for the brand. Yeah, all of that is music to our ears because we we absolutely believe that. Yeah, customer support, as you say, it it is part of marketing. It it isn't or it shouldn't be seen as a cost. It's an investment in keeping hold of those customers and getting them to, to buy again and to, to buy more. 
one of the things you mentioned with Amazon, I think and there's two things that I think are really interesting there. And we'll perhaps pick up on the sort of order status and, and tracking deliveries in a moment. But the other thing you mentioned was the opportunity to upsell people at that point. Uh, so when the customer is looking for their order information, they are in the state where they are interested in the product. Uh, and uh, what those big platforms like Amazon or Etsy or eBay, they do, uh, they always show additional products that are related to their current purchase, regardless if the customer is uh, coming there to just take a look at their order status. Uh, they will still see additional products they could buy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the unfortunate truth for e-commerce sellers uh, who want to make more sales on Amazon is that the products that are shown not, are not belonging to the same seller. They usually just belong to anyone from the platform or what algorithm decided this person is interested in buying. Maybe they were taking a look at some kind of uh, new... A new type of a phone accessory and they're going to see some phone accessories and they are waiting for a cup that they ordered from your store. So the idea would be that uh, when you jump off the Amazon or when you want to start your own brand and you want to grow it uh, through other means, you have the ability to control the entire post-purchase experience and there will be only your products and only your brand. And in that case, uh, the customer has this connection and what also happens in those standalone stores that what I have seen like in majority of cases is that customers after the product is shipped, they get redirected to FedEx, DHL, UPS pages, where the information about the product is there, not even the information about the product, just the tracking status of the package. And we have no idea which store, it, store is it from, like what is currently in that package, and we have no connection to the brand. And sometimes uh, we don't even have the essential information. Uh, my current experience has been with UPS. I came back to that uh, page from UPS and I was trying to see where the package is. There was no information. Uh, and in the notes to the uh, tracking, there was another tracking number that I had to uh, copy and paste and post it on TrackMage and see that it's stuck in customs. And I need to call them to actually uh, get it out of customs. So if that information was provided straight away from one click, uh, I would have appreciated that because I had to jump through a couple of hoops uh, to get to the point to really understand where the package is and what do I need to do to get it. I think it's something, you know, as we record, you know, it's it's in the middle of December, in the run up to Christmas. In the UK, we've got postal strikes. I think all of us are probably very aware of, of that feeling of, of waiting for a package and not being quite sure when it's going to get there, if it's going to get there, what you may need to do to, to, to make sure it doesn't get, gets there. That's the point. Uh, customers, they really feel the anxiety of waiting for the package. And there are a lot of uh, memes on the internet uh, where you go there and like there is this Kermit uh, <laughs> waiting for the package and like there are other uh, characters. Uh, the idea is that customers uh, previously in the buying journey, they were actively participating. So they clicked the button, they selected the product, they filled in all the information, they paid. And then, and then, they want to continue doing something and they don't have anything to do. That's why it's such an important thing uh, to continue communicating to the customer and bridge this communication gap uh, between uh, the order placement uh, and the uh, product receipt. This is, this is vital because the customers, when they're anxious, uh, they sometimes itch uh, to press on the refund button. 
And that refund button is going to cost your business not just uh, the shipping cost, uh, the product cost, and uh, the actual cost of all the transactions, but also probably a good reputation with that customer, because if the customer refunds, they are probably not going to buy from you ever again, regardless of what you offer, what kind of discount offer or whatever. Yeah, and I think this is a really good example of something that I say in really in every field, that you know, the customer experience is not what you do, it's how the customer feels as a result of what you do or didn't do. And I think that, that sort of emotional part of the journey, that anxiety that we all feel, and, you know, perhaps some people feel it more than others, but we all feel it to some extent. What causes that? It's always an unmet need, isn't it? There's that emotional need either to know what's going on or to feel in control of what's going on, to your point, you know, am I actively doing something? So what can organizations do about that arena? So uh, what we suggest uh, as TrackMage, uh, we suggest distracting the customer and uh, offering them something uh, where we can actively participate in. So what uh, we can find on tracking pages uh, are uh, social media handles. So if we want to engage somewhere, we can just go to social media and maybe like a couple of posts or do something there. Uh, then uh, there are additional products that are circulating on the page. Uh, we're basically taking this idea from Amazon and Etsy and other uh, platforms uh, because uh, what we have seen is that uh, 5 to 10% uh, extra sales come uh, from the tracking page itself. So the customer is so anxious, they want to buy something else because like, oh, that, that, that sounds nice. Like, how about I buy that again? And another thing we noticed is that customers, uh, they check those tracking pages up to one or two times per day. Imagine uh, that instead of uh, checking a tracking page, uh, they would have sent an, like, where is my order uh, question to customer support? Like, where is my order today? Then like, where is my order again and again and again? Uh, it gets very inundating. And also it overloads customer support because customer support representatives, they will have to work like autoresponders even like, is it very yet? Not yet. Like, is it very yet? Not yet. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's really interesting that there's a, is it that whole idea of avoidable contact that, you know, you talked about these things not being a cost. I mean, that, that's taking cost out of the business if you can, uh, you know, remove some of those emails. I think the other thing that, that you just said that I thought was fascinating, I've not really thought about this before, is that, you know, what would you pay? to attract those eyeballs on your content in marketing or advertising, you pay a fortune. But yeah. when people are tracking and delivery, you're getting it, you know, for free. And, and, you know, people are really keen to read these emails. And that's such a wasted opportunity. If that's a, a generic message or if it's a, a message from DHL or DPD or whoever, rather than from you, that's a real missed opportunity. Well, that's, that's really true because what we've seen with those emails is that they get uh, an unheard of uh, in marketing circles, unheard of uh, open rate, 60%. Mm. 60% yeah. uh, of people who receive those emails, they open them and they read them and they click on the link because they understand that this is transactional information, that this is important for them. And that's why they are not really expecting to be upsold on those pages, mm. but they do get upsold. Uh, that's, that's the best part about that. I wonder if, if there's a psychology thing there that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to, to get something and that need hasn't been satisfied yet. So I'm sort of in, still in that I want things frame of mind. Um, so it, maybe it's the best time to sell more stuff to people. Yeah, well, I guess uh, all the marketers, they already figured it out with the funnels. So when mm -hmm. the customer actually buys uh, the product uh, if, and then you present them other additional products that they could buy, uh, like maybe like in 30% of cases, people 
people upsell, uh, people buy additional products. Mm -hmm. And that's why uh, this is probably something like a like shadow funnel uh, that uh, just kind of uh, follows the customer and offers them additional products. Uh, you could spice it up a bit uh, with some special offers or if your products are always changing, uh, what you could do is uh, you can put a dynamic uh, feed of products. So whenever you change the products on your store, uh, the products on the tracking pages, they also change. That's how you can keep it dynamic and the customers, they will be just like uh, always on the lookout, like what's new, what's new, what what, mm. what else uh, could I buy? It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, such a powerful piece of communication that we're talking about here, that, that sort of confirmation email, the follow-up emails after a purchase. And yet it's so under you. So why are marketing directors not all over that? You know, if you went to them and said, I, I can offer you an email campaign that gets a 60% open rate, they'd bite your hand off, wouldn't they? So why are they not making use of that? Well, some some of them do. We do have customers in the track, oh, like <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I guess it's just not that popular uh, subject. And it's not as sexy as like, oh, we will attract you 300 new customers. So it's not about new customers. It's about the existing customers. And that's why it gets overlooked because like, oh, who cares about those customers? They're already ours. Like, why, why would we why would we care about upselling them again? That's uh, that's probably this kind of like hunter's mindset where we just go out there and we hunt more customers. But instead of attracting new customers, uh, you could be getting sales from existing ones. And uh, the statistic uh, also shows that it's five times more expensive to attract a new customer versus retaining an existing one. Like there is no rationale. I guess there is only this like hunter's mentality, like we need to attract more, like uh, who cares about the existing ones? Like, <laughs> we'll wait, we are patient people. Like what about what about getting more? I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we're, we're big believers in this idea of, of a loyalty strategy. So, you know, we, we definitely advocate farming, not hunting and, and all of that kind of thing. I guess what we often see is that it, just as you said at the beginning, organizations often see a sort of revenue generating part of the business and then a, a part of the business that doesn't directly generate revenue. So we have to re remove all costs from that uh, if we can. So, you know, it's all about becoming more and more efficient. And obviously efficiency is good. You know, any money you can save without hurting the customer experience is money off the bottom line. That's brilliant. But if it does hurt the customer experience, or if there's a missed opportunity to enhance the customer experience and make more sales from those customers, then I think that's a, a real a missed opportunity and actually a sort of strategic failure to understand the, the opportunity. That's, that's a, it's like an open goal that people are missing. Yes. Uh, and sometimes people... People are missing out on all the great opportunities uh, just because they understand that they are improvement offers. If you offer somebody like, oh, I'm going to get you 300 new customers. Oh, this is new business. This is new. This is exciting. This is uh, a real opportunity. But what if we can get you maybe like extra 50 sales from the existing customers? And then they say, eh, well, they're going, they were going to buy anyways. That's the mentality. I believe it's... Uh, this uh, thing that Perry Belcher was talking about, the improvement offer. That's why uh, all the loyalty programs or all the post-purchase uh, programs, they, they get overlooked uh, in general. And if we can get it to, the, like, if we can pump it up uh, and make it sexier somehow, uh, and just like say like, this is like, like, you have never heard about this before. This is like the best thing ever. And maybe in that case, uh, the CMOs and uh, other professionals, uh, they will actually pay their dues and they will understand that this is important. Mm.
I guess uh, at some point it's just going to become an industry standard to have a great purchase experience. That's how it always does uh, with our industries. Because like whenever Amazon introduces a feature, everyone else is trying to fi like figure out a way to provide that, that same experience. So I guess uh, if you want to create like an Amazon-like post-purchase experience, you should do it. You're absolutely right. The, the way these things change is that someone does it first and then customers expect you to do it. And often that can feel unfair because, you know, we don't have the resources of Amazon. We don't have Amazon's warehouses and logistics and dot, dot, dot. No, you don't. You know, you will never have the scale that Amazon does, probably. You know, with most of us certainly won't. But that is what your customers are being. That's how their expectations are being set now. So exactly as you say, customers now expect that. That that's what a a good post purchase experience looks like. Yeah, and You've still, like, that. and still, up to this day, uh, I still sometimes encounter the post purchase experience that is the nightmare post purchase experience. Uh, like the typical uh, the typical example would be a customer funnel. Like I buy a book. And the only time I hear about the book is when it arrives in, in two or three months, hmm. uh, because like I buy it and then, and then what, uh, uh, there is only one confirmation that I bought it, but no confirmation about where it is, when is it getting to me, uh, what is going on. And if I contact customer support, I sometimes even get a hard bounce, like, hmm. okay, great. Like that email is not accessible. What should I do? That's why, like from the funnels, I usually I try to avoid paying with a credit card, just like with PayPal or something else, because I don't have any leverage if they don't send anything <laughs> or just don't fulfill their promises. Yeah, I and mean, it's interesting that we we all, I think, as customers, have that sort of mindset a little bit, don't we? That what what we don't necessarily have is 100% trust that this is going to work, it's going to turn up, it's going to be in good condition when it does turn up, and that speaks to a problem, doesn't it? You know it. If it was always works 100% every time, we probably wouldn't feel the anxiety. But mm. in reality, we do feel that anxiety and, and that has to be addressed, therefore. Definitely. Uh, and another thing would be to not only address the anxiety, but just prevent the anxiety altogether. Because if you can proactively provide all the information and the customer feels like the, the care uh, and the communication that never stops, they just don't worry at all. Uh, and when the customer is not worried, uh, and if they bought from you once and they had great customer experience, are they going to buy from you again if you present something interesting? Okay, absolutely. And that's why uh, like the odds of selling to an existing customer, uh, they go up uh, every time the customer buys from you. Like with a second order, it's like 27% more likely to buy. Like on the third purchase, it's 47%. And with uh, the fourth purchase, it's... 57%, like that's 57%, like that's a customer for life. And essentially when you have customers for life, your business starts to grow exponentially. You're not losing any customers. You don't have to replenish the funnel all the time because what what is so wrong about the funnel is this mentality that it's finite. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the funnel, like it's, that's it. We have to just attract new customers. Like we need to get more customers on top of the funnel. But uh, in this, uh, interesting model that HubSpot introduced, uh, they called it a flywheel. So once the customer gets into this flywheel, they never leave. They just keep spinning the, the business. And that's why customer support is just part of marketing, essential part to return them back and make them buy again. Uh, not actually buy, like make them, but no, no. persuade them and uh, yeah. give them the opportunity to buy again. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, we. There's all sorts of metaphors for, for that loyalty idea, isn't it? We used to talk about 
a leaky bucket that you're sort of pouring customers in at the top of, and you can sort of, you know, yeah. the less the bucket's leaking, the more customers you have, obviously. Um, so you, yeah. there's all sorts of ways you can think about it. But I think the flywheel metaphor is good, actually, because yeah. one of the things that is important to understand, I think, about customer loyalty is that the benefits as you said, grow over time. So the more a customer comes back, the more they're likely to come back again. Um, the, the longer you hold on to them, the more they, you know, they, they become exponentially more valuable as you hold on to them for longer. And there is, there is another leverage uh, that a lot of businesses overlook is the reviews. So those existing customers, they are already loyal. If you ask them to leave a review, they're probably going to leave a review. If you ask them to share that review on social media, they're probably going to share it on social media. And that brings you in, brings in loyal customers, their friends, their uh, relatives, everyone whom they know or somebody who is uh, subscribed to them on social media. That's the idea where you get extra sales without actually doing anything like investing any money into attracting new customers. So with reviews, uh, it's not just the social proof that this product is legit, but it's also a marketing leverage, uh, the user generated content that you get for free uh, and you get uh, extra sales from. That's why it's such an important piece that TrackMage is currently working on. Like we're like the, the last part would be to not only leave a review, but share it on social media. Mm -hmm. If it's positive, obviously, because if there is a problem, uh, it stays inside of TrackMage and the e-commerce business can react and uh, reach out to the customer before uh, they get angry or get upset, basically. And I don't have any evidence on this, but I'm just wondering out loud now. If we know that, you know, a customer who comes back once is likely to is more likely to come back again and again and again. Is that also true for writing a review? So is someone who's engaged three, four, five times that much more likely to review the product, you know, their fourth or fifth product? Do we know anything about that? Well, I believe uh, if it's not the same product, uh, it definitely increases the likelihood. So mm -hmm. if it's a fashion brand uh, and uh, the person is very invested into that brand and uh, they receive a new uh, new T-shirt or a new bag from the collection, they are going to brag anyway. So <laughs> it, it, it just depends on the on the nature of a product or if it's some kind of uh, supplement uh, like I would probably not leave a review after I received like like my fifth refill uh, I don't believe that this is going to happen but you can still persuade the customer to leave a review uh, about additional product that you can toss in or I maybe some kind yeah. of like uh, yeah so, yeah, it's, so if, it's, it's a, a, if you're reordering every month, I don't know, ink cartridges for your pen or something, then you're not going to review every time you do that. That would be insane. Mm, there, is, there is a great ex example and an exception to this rule. If that would be the subscription boxes, uh, because subscription boxes every month, they're different. Uh, and uh, Birchbox started that fashion for a subscription box businesses. And I believe this is this is one of the greatest uh, inventions in e-commerce uh, since uh, the very moment uh, when it was introduced. So the idea is like they are going to get some random, uh, interesting uh, stuff in that box that they can review every time. Like, oh, see what I got this month, this thing, this thing. And also the brands that they're, uh, they, they are shipping, they also invest into becoming part of that box. Like, so it's mutually beneficial for all the parties. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of those relationships that are definitely mutually, and, and I suppose not just mutually beneficial, but beneficial for the customer as well. So it is, you know, 
everyone is happier everyone's getting a better experience everyone's making more money um so yeah ideal that's a happy happy world uh, i guess uh, we could we could talk about the, the flip side of that like the negative reviews and when the customer is very much angry uh, with the company and they had a negative experience uh what do we do like you don't have to ask them uh, to leave a review we are going to start leaving those reviews if you don't uh, prevent that and uh, you don't have uh, the like upfront conversation with a customer like uh, through the phone or through email uh, and try to resolve the situation that's why uh, again uh, reviews are also a good indicator to troubleshoot uh, your business and like what uh, went wrong uh, so maybe was it the carrier? Should you try uh, shipping for a different carrier? Was it uh, the product itself? Maybe you should try a different supplier? Was it uh, just uh, in general uh, misconception or maybe like the description of a product didn't say something? On AliExpress that happens quite a lot. Uh, you buy uh, maybe like a night lamp and you receive like a miniature copy of that. Yeah. So like <laughs> that usually just uh, results so in some... Uh, it was for a doll's house, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah i've definitely uh, i've been caught by that a couple of times uh more on amazon than aliexpress actually where you inadvertently i don't know you end up with sort of those tiny cans of coke that you get on airplanes instead of real sized ones and things like that but yeah yes. i'm sure we've all done it and it's definitely misleading uh, that's why customers they like you cannot blame the customer that they misunderstood something you need to make it very clear if you are selling a miniature uh you should just say like it's a miniature lamp like okay it's like only two centimeters high that's it like that's what you're getting that's why it's a dollar <laughs> yeah I, I agree so whether or not your intention is to mislead it is your job to make sure the customer understands what they're buying Yes, uh, and that's also the start of a customer experience, because if customers misunderstand something, the confused customer never buys. And mm. that's why uh, it's sometimes very <laughs> frustrating to come to a website, try to buy the product, like I genuinely want to buy the product, but I cannot figure out like why they have that kind of insane uh, pricing strategy or which uh, which uh, subscription should I use, this one or this one? Like I don't understand the difference. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so hard. Wherever you get those kind of uh, unmet needs, it just generates negative emotion and, and it's it's also avoidable, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and like the clearer you make it for the customer, if it ideally it should be just like one buy, buy button and it should be very abundantly clear to them what exactly they're buying and when they're going to get it and uh, what exactly is included and etc. That's why it's such an important uh, and vital part to optimize not only your post-purchase experience, but the product pages and the descriptions and everything. The customer experience starts from the very first time they open the product page. One of the things that I'm I'm really interested in, just to go back to, to one of the, what we were talking about earlier, that idea of the sort of emotional needs of a customer. When people talk about customer emotions, that they often are thinking about, you know, interacting with a human being and all the sort of fluffy customer service stuff. But actually what we're talking about is a bit of automation, a bit of kind of communication design. And, you know, it, these things are, they might feel quite sort of technical and, and kind of um, hard and cold rather than soft and fluffy. But actually, they address those emotional needs, don't they? I don't know about you, uh, but uh, my uh, personal view is that uh, if I can minimize interactions with real people when I'm buying a product, that's good. Because like I ordered it, it arrived, it was the, exactly the thing that I ordered, it was good quality, 
I'm fine. I'm good. I just want to enjoy using my product. But whenever I need human assistance, that's when the problems start. Like I had another nightmare customer experience once. Uh, like I, I ordered a custom printed T-shirt from a German company. So what happened is that, uh, okay, great. Uh, I ordered it. Uh, then like I received a shipping notification that this is coming to Belgium. What? Sorry. Uh, like I'm in Bulgaria. Uh, it's Belgium, like two different countries. Like, okay. I tried to contact them through email. I, I got a hard bounce. Okay, good, good. Okay. I went to their website, uh, looked up another email, sent them an email. I didn't receive anything in reply. Okay, great. Good. I'm persistent. I'm going to contact you anyway. I uh, found their phone number. I called the phone number. I mean, it was an autoresponder in German. It was saying something in German. I don't speak German enough. Uh, and then it just hang up on me. Okay, great. Okay, I, I couldn't get a hold of, <laughs> of any human being there. And I got uh, previous like emails that uh, they, they haven't replied to. When I went to DHL that was shipping the package, I uh, asked DHL to redirect the package from Belgium to Bulgaria. That kind of went through, but nobody actually replied. So I wasn't sure if it, the instruction was received or not. Okay, after maybe a week and a half of waiting and not understanding what is going on, I uh, went to PayPal and refunded the purchase. And then the culmination. In a week, after I refunded the purchase, I received the T-shirt. Mm -hmm. But that's not the end of the story. In a couple more weeks, I received the second T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I received another email from this company asking what they could improve in their post-purchase experience. Uh, they did say, like, uh, how was your experience and what we should improve? Since I understand that they don't speak English, I believe, even though their website was in English, I translated everything to German and like posted Alice. <laughs> That's it. Alice, you need to improve everything. Mm -hmm. Because they not only lost money, they lost uh, double the money, I would say. Because they sent two products instead of one. And then they didn't receive any from me because I already refunded it. And they didn't notice that it was refunded. Yeah. So, and all it would have taken them to prevent this entire situation was to reply to that email, to that first email. Yeah, I, I, I just never understand organizations that have a communications channel with customers that they ignore. It's just, just it's just insane to me. You you ought to be desperate to speak to your customers when they're when they're desperate to speak to you. That's amazing. They take it to your point. It, that's not a cost. That's a marketing opportunity. Every time you have a an opportunity to talk to a customer, it's a marketing opportunity. I think Zappos used to say that, and it's. You know, it's that golden opportunity to talk to your customers when they actually want to talk to you. Um, to, yes. to sort of circle back to what you were saying at the beginning, really, you know, those, those emails and those open rates and the, the enthusiasm that customers have to talk to you about the thing that they've ordered they haven't got yet is such an opportunity. And if you miss that, if you mess it up or you don't reply to people, then you're just going to damage those relationships forever. Unfortunately, yes, because uh, if you offend the customer or if you let down the customer, there is no way they're going to trust you again, even though uh, you might provide the best uh, service ever after that. With that customer, the relationship is already severed and it will take uh, a great deal of uh, like remedy and trying to make it better for mm -hmm. that specific customer.
And like, again, uh, I would like to circle back to the reviews part because uh, the reviews sometimes they damage the entire, the entire company. A review can elevate the business uh, if like a celebrity buys from your business and they leave a glaring review like, okay, great, your business is going to keep blooming. But what if, uh, what if you just offend one customer and that review becomes viral? It, it can damage the entire brand. You might want to consider then like changing your website, rebranding and going over market and like starting over again. Yeah, and no, I think reviews are, as you say, in both directions, very, very powerful. And perhaps the negative ones are more powerful than positive ones, in fact. But but yeah, they're all, they're all certainly very valuable uh, or very important. So, yeah, uh, I believe that uh, still people have a bias to fil like filter the positive reviews and then just focus on the negative ones mm -hmm. because it's always uh, it always raises this kind of like arousal in people to just participate and uh, make mm -hmm. it make unjust uh, like maybe if there was some unjust action that was taken against the customer like make like just defend that customer and uh, make make the company pay for it yeah right? <laughs> that's exactly what kind of crusaders don't you yeah looking to yeah, uh, yeah cause harm yeah. brilliant well uh, Irina thank you very much for that I found that really interesting and, and you know that to be able to talk about the value of customer experience and loyalty you know that the importance of that post-purchase experience which I think a lot of people miss completely actually and, and I'm glad to hear that organizations are starting to switch on to the the opportunity of that because I think you know it, it's not just a, copying what Amazon do it's about understanding you know what your customers needs are and meeting those but also getting the potential benefit of more sales and so on so that, you know there's a real financial argument as well as a, the sort of customer experience argument so yeah. it's all been really really interesting uh, I've enjoyed talking to you a lot thank you very much yeah. uh, where can where can people find you Irina I believe uh, the best place to find me uh, is uh, trackmage.com uh, that's uh, our website and uh, they can find all the social media accounts as well. So if they would like to find me on TikTok or elsewhere, it's still TrackMage. Uh, my preference still stays with LinkedIn. Uh, I like the social media over other, uh, other places. So yeah, uh, if uh, you can type my surname without any misspelled uh, letters, like it's Irina Paddubna, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'll put a link in the show notes for that so yeah, people don't have to, uh, to sort of try too hard. Lovely. So thank you very much for your time, Erin. It's been great to have you on. Great. Thank you. Well, that was very, very interesting. I thought a really nice balance of Arena sharing her experiences and linking it to the whole customer journey. And I think one of the things that came out to me very, very strongly is particularly with our clients in the world we operate, you get into the process map world and where the customer journey ends from the organization's point of view not from the customer's point of view and i think uh, um, arena made that point very very well she did yeah and i think i um when i do journey mapping one of my one of the things i like to start with is a template a sort of very very high level template that has three words on it before during and after right because it's so common for organizations to focus purely on the the during bit which is which basically aligns with their process map. yeah yeah and i always think there's so much potential in the the after which is essentially that post-purchase experience and in the before 
Yeah, and I think what I really well what I really liked as well is she was talking and you were talking about the opportunities that sit in the after, not just that customer service is is a cost because we've we've sent the product now, but all that marketing goal opportunities, the channel, the promotion, the other products, that fertile opportunity that perhaps organisations. I haven't really thought is there, or certainly don't don't use. When you start thinking about it, it's nuts. If you went to a <laughs> you marketing do, well, you're right, well, you do. It's say, crazy when you don't think about yeah, it. I can give you uh, a group of customers who whose open rates will be sixty percent, and whose likelihood to buy is you know forty percent. <laughs> I'll pay you any money for that. Space. <laughs> oh, good news! It's your existing customers. <laughs> I thought she made the point really well about why don't organisations see that because hunting is more exciting than. Farming would be the word you you know you 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 used. Yeah, I think there's this tendency, and and I forget where I got this concept from now originally, but there is there's often in organisations this conflict between the kind of the bits of the organisation that are seen as revenue generating, and the bits that that aren't, and which are therefore seen as a as a something to focus on reducing cost as much as possible. So it's all about efficiency and and reducing cost, and for some reason. Customer experience often tips into that cost reduction box instead yes. of the revenue generating box, and it absolutely should belong in the revenue generating. Oh, absolutely! Um, opportunity. And 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 use the phrase, you know, the leaky bucket. She used the phrase the flywheel, which I really quite liked in terms of how many times can you get someone going round that, and it makes an awful lot of sense. And I mean, we obviously didn't talk about customer lifetime value, but. Even just as she was talking, you're thinking about the, t- the times and the contact you make with Amazon or organisations post-purchase. And you think, yeah, why do organisations not look at the after bit and see it as as marketing opportunity? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's huge missed opportunity for, for and probably most organisations, let's be honest, but perhaps increasingly people are becoming aware of that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the, you, obviously, so many strong points made, made it. But I thought also your your point about the communication channels that are there um, post purchase in, in customer support, and again, going back, if you said to an organisation, "Oh, here's an opportunity to talk to a customer mm. about your product or about your service," before people would snap your hands off and put a lot of time, effort, cost to have that conversation with the best people, with a shiny shop window. But post and afterwards, it, it's, it just doesn't have that finesse or seriousness about it, really. It's the cliche, isn't it? That you know, If I want to get hold of someone, I'll phone the sales phone line rather than the customer support one. Yeah. And that is just something that is, is so revealing of priorities and of that disconnect between the actual value of a customer and the perceived value of an yeah. existing customer. I, I think that sums up really well. I, I was at a conference a while ago and it, it was to do with banking in the UK and literally the speaker had phoned up every bank twice. They'd phoned the sales to see how quickly the phone got answered and they'd phoned the customer support to see how quickly they'd been answered. And he just plotted them on a chart and you know which side of the axis was answered quicker. And it was just absolutely revealing. It was something like 19 out of the 20 answered the sales call from a potential customer quicker than the call from a existing loyal customer. Yeah. 
which is, from my point of view, absurd. But yeah. Yeah. Really good interview. If anyone's got any questions, I guess they could get in contact with yourself or, or Irina. Yeah, so I'll put Irina's sort of contact details, or at least her LinkedIn profile and so on, uh, in the show notes if you want to uh, look her up. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, and if you want to get in touch, you can find us on tlfresearch.com or on Twitter at tlfresearch. Bye, everyone.